Our scripture today comes from Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14, if you'd like to join me on your Bible app or in the Bible provided for you in the pews. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straying forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us hear where the Holy Spirit leads on this day. What would you want to be known for on earth? We only have a short time on this planet. You want to become the person that you were born to be? Don't waste your time on all the junk of life. What am I doing? Spend your precious hours doing what will bring out the real you. Brilliant, passionate you that's ready to contribute something meaningful into this world. I got the gig. I really need a haircut today, man. Can you fit me in? Whoa, whoa, sorry. for doing this funny cowboy dance? <laughs> Great. How many of you have seen this movie? Would you raise your hands? Oh, pretty good. Um, today we begin our new series for July called Movie Club, Hope. And when Pastor Sharla and I went on our retreat and we we're trying to make some plans, which to be honest with you, before, during the pandemic, we never planned more than four weeks ahead for anything. So it was such a great feeling to get away for a couple of nights and actually plan for six months. And we kept thinking, what do we need now in the midst of what our world has been like? And we said, hope, hope is something that we need. And today we are focusing on hope in the midst of failure. So each week we will reference a different movie that came out during 2020 while we were mostly confined to our homes. And I'm assuming that many of you, like me, probably haven't seen these movies if you choose to watch them along with us during the series. Next week, our movie will be Hamilton, which was released by Disney to celebrate Independence Day in 2020. Some of you may have seen that on stage. And then the one we're most excited about, and I tried to talk Charlotte into capes for us, is Wonder Woman, which is in 1984, which was released in December 2020 by Warner Brothers. 
And then a movie called Here Today that is directed and written and starred in by Billy Crystal that my husband and I actually, that was our first pandemic uh, free outing and we went to the Regal Movie Theater and there were 180 seats and we were the only two people there. <laughs> and I said to John, thank you for buying out the whole theater for us today. <laughs> and he said, you're very welcome. And so over the next four weeks, we will be looking at each of these films and what the window they offer us into the life of hope. And so for this week, our movie is obviously Soul, which I will admit I had to watch on Tuesday because I had never seen it. But Pastor Sharla and several people told me it was really good and very deep. And um, my cousins and I watched it. We were like, wow, this is a kid's movie, animated movie, because it is really deep. This main character is Joe Gardner. He's a musician and a middle school band teacher, which I didn't know until this morning that Michael Utesh has been a middle school band teacher. And after um, 20 years of youth ministry under my belt, I've been to a lot of middle school band recitals at the end of the year when they had been practicing all year. And I cannot imagine what it was like in the beginning of the year and what that would do to your ears. Uh, but so, Joe Gardner is a middle school band director. He sees this as a temporary thing because he dreams of playing jazz on the piano with the greats. And so he's doing this teaching gig just to pay the bills. And the pivotal scene is that the principal comes with an envelope and she presents it and she says, guess what, Joe? We're offering you a full-time job with benefits and a pension and insurance. And that makes him feel like a failure. You see, Joe saw this as just something he did until he became successful as a musician and so it was quite a reality check. So Joe gets his big break when a former student calls him to play with a celebrity jazz saxophone player and invites him to play with them. This is his big break. He is so excited that he doesn't pay any attention as he's walking along, because he's uh, kind of past the interview process, that he steps into a manhole to his tragic demise. So he literally is not paying attention to life around him, and he has this accident. And his response when he gets to the next life is, I can't die today, I just started living. And then he breaks all the rules in the next life, trying to get back to what he believes he deserves, that he he had this big great break and he would get all his dreams come true. And it's amazing to watch his drive, his desire and his hope. And he really thinks that he can break all the rules around things that are holy, dividing lines between life and death. And he thinks he can do that. And so it makes me ask, what drove Joe? And so today we read this letter from Paul that he literally writes from jail. And some might say Paul was a failure because he was in jail. 
But he is thanking the church because they sent him a person with a beautiful gift, and then he uh, is encouraging those who are not in jail not to give up hope. And Paul uses this metaphor that, um, I hope you heard it when I read the scriptures, of the runner. And in case you didn't, let's look at it again. So verse 12 says, not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He, Paul tells the church that he has not finished his race. He is not done with his goals for Christ. He sees being in jail as a temporary setback. He does this, Paul does this, not to earn anything, but because he has stopped worrying about trying to earn something or reach a lofty goal. Because of his relationship with Jesus, he has been set free, kind of like in the, in the trailer, the guy who pushes all his computers off his desk. I know I've had a day like that where I'd be like, ah, I'm not doing this anymore. And so then we get to the next uh, scripture, uh, 13, beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Paul uses this beautiful language of straining forward and letting go of what lies behind at the exact same time. The things of the old do not matter because his life is in Christ and he is moving forward in that. He's calling the church in Philippi to continue their growth and maturity. This process of growth and maturity as a Christian is called sanctification. Let me hear you say it, sanctification. So later when you say, what did I learn today? You can say sanctification. <laughs> This is process. Once you've said yes to Christ, that doesn't mean you're done. You've scored the goal. You can walk off, right? When you say yes, it's the beginning of your journey into who you are in Christ and how you live that out. And so that is this process that uh, John Wesley, our founder of Methodism, calls sanctification. When we teach it in confirmation, we draw the outline of a house, but there's no back wall because you never reach perfection. You're always growing, always learning more. One of the things that I have learned is the more I know, the less I know. I learned that in seminary. <laughs> the more I know, the less I know. And then on verse 14, he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul has his eye on the prize, but it's not something he wants for himself. It's not what he wants to be remembered for, but it, it's what his life in Christ might look like that sets him free and at the same time pulls him forward. This hope is what keeps Paul moving forward, even though he is in jail. And so I was thinking about when I've had a race that was like that. And so I, um, I ran a lot of track when I was in high school. 
And I was at the state track meet my sophomore year in high school, and the, uh, the mile relay, or now we would call it the 1,600-meter relay, was the very last race of the day. And I was the anchor leg, so I ran last in that race. And um, I had already won a couple of medals that day, but I was the only one on my track team that had placed high enough to win a medal. So we're the last race of the day, and we were not expected to win. We were expected to come in second or third. And so in a relay race, they give you a baton, and you have to carry that, and you have to pass it in a certain zone, and you have to run with it and everything. And so I didn't know until the race was over that two of the three girls that ran before me had set personal best because they wanted to meddle in that track meet so desperately that they had run like they were on fire. And I had no idea, but I knew that I had all of this space, literally the length of the two middle sections of the sanctuary, right? I was that far ahead when they gave me the baton. And so I just started running. I'm so far ahead, and oh, this is a, such a great day. And uh, I get to the third corner, of the track, and I hear footsteps. <laughs> and you're never supposed to look back because it slows you down, right? So I looked down because I was on the curb, and I could see somebody else's foot on the track, and I thought, oh no, this girl has literally run me down. And my fear of the other girls on my track team <laughs> made me go to the next gear, and I just took off like I'd been coasting the whole time. Oh my gosh, I felt so guilty because I scared everybody on my team and I did not want to ride on a bus for two hours with those girls knowing I had blown their only hope to get a medal at the state track meet as a sophomore in high school. And so when I was thinking about this race that Paul is talking about, how often do we just coast along and let other people run us down? Or how often do we give up some kind of advantage or gift or talent or relationship that could help us be more, and yet we discard it? We don't nurture it. We don't take care of it. And so that brings me to the last, or I wanted to um, show you one more scripture, and this is the way the message uh, paraphrases, paraphrases the scripture that we've been doing. I'm not saying that I have all, this all together, that I have made it, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me, Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself in an expert in all of this. But I have my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and I'm running and I'm not turning back. The New Interpreter's Bible Commentary uh, makes a note about this scripture. It says, the end is assured not because of what we are able to do, though we must do our best, but by virtue of the fact that it rests ultimately on the hold that Christ has on us. He has made us his own, and we belong to him. 
And that's the thing that allows us to throw things to the side that are consuming us and to live more fully set free in this race called life. So let's get back to Joe Gardner. He had this driving hope, but his hope was looking backward all the time to what he thought he deserved. He can't look forward, and he can't consider any other outcome. And the longer the movie goes on, the more you realize just how selfish Joe is and how self-absorbed his goal has become. He literally dies because he's not paying attention to life around him. And so Joe meets a soul that has never been to earth or been alive, and that soul is named 22. So you saw in the clip, she's the one that says, I want to be remembered for that corny dance, right? <laughs> and he's like, what? But uh, she shows him when she inhabits his body back on earth, she notices all these things that he doesn't pay attention to in his own life. She opens up conversations with his barber and discovers that he had had a dream to be a veterinarian, but because of a family issue, he went a different direction. And he didn't feel like a failure because he found joy in all the people that he had gotten to know as he cut their hair. You know those things that follow the trees that go in circles, they have the seed on one end, I don't know what the proper term, you know, we. When we were kids, we called them helicopters, right? I know. And so I still call them helicopters. But she finds, she finds one and is so awed by it that she keeps it because she's never seen one before. And so, yeah, Joe is great at playing the piano, but it turns out that 22 is great at regular old living, finding joy in the every moment. There's, there's another character, a set of characters in the movie called Lost Souls. And they are considered lost souls because they are disconnected from life in some way. Paul compels us to consider how much of our lives are lost in not enjoying the simple things that we have in our life in Christ. He compels us to grasp every day and make the most of it with our eyes on this prize that is this life of being in Christ. He challenges us to a hope that isn't based on failure, whether we fail or not, that it's something greater than our own simple list of things that we want to be remembered for. When I first became a new church planter, I became very familiar with failure <laughs> because you try things and, and, and then they fail and you can't just crawl under the covers and say, it doesn't work. You gotta get up the next day and you gotta try something else and see if anybody gathers for that. And then the next day and the next day, and I tell you, for every success, there's a dozen failures. And this, the chance of failure never goes away. It could always still fail. Just because it worked this day doesn't mean it'll work that day. I read this wonderful article, and I don't remember if it was social media or whatever, but it was about a dad who would ask his family every night at dinner, what did you fail at today? 
created a culture of accepting failure. And he, the reason he did it, it was he wanted them to try. Try to run for office at your school. Try out for the band. Try to memorize all your spelling words. I don't know. <laughs> you know, try to do something new. And if you failed, that's okay because you tried. And you get up and you try again. And you keep trying. Joe Gardner couldn't see past his one failure. He couldn't see all the students whose lives he had impacted, including this young drummer who invited him to play with the famous saxophone player. He didn't count that as success. Paul compels us to consider, what are we missing? What are we looking backward to that's keeping us from moving forward? He challenges us to a hope that cannot be killed by failure. I want to I end with a clip about a young woman who received the golden buzzer on America's Got Talent. Now, I don't actually watch this show, but I watched this clip of her audition, which I'm not going to show you because it's too long. But 27 million people have watched it. Have any of you? Nightbird. Yeah. I want you to, I want to introduce you to Nightbird. Hey, it's Nightbird and I just got the golden buzzer from Simon Cowell. I moved to California in the summertime. I sang an original song called It's Okay. It is a song that I wrote for myself when I was going through a really really hard time that this past year. Um, I've been fighting cancer for a long time and it's been really, really tough. And I wrote the song for myself because I needed to be reminded that um, you can be happy and also be going through something really hard at the same time. You don't have to pick one or the other. Oh, day, oh my, now I can't hide. Said I knew myself, but I guess I lied. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. He said he wasn't gonna give me a yes. And I'm like, okay, I understand I'm not like the most impressive singer in the whole world, but I, you know, it's whatever. And then I like saw him reach across the table and that moment before he touched the buzzer lasted like 20 minutes. <laughs> I was like, is this really happening? And yeah, it, it did really happen. I'm not gonna give you a yes. I'm gonna give you something else. If I could say anything to Simon right now, I would say thank you for being so genuine and so kind to me. And I could tell that he, not just from like a TV performance standpoint really cared, but when he came up and talked to me, it was so genuine and real and kind. And that is so rare and I love it. Everything about that was really special. Good for you. Good for you. He did whisper something to me that I cannot tell you because it's a secret between Simon and I because we're very, very close now. <laughs>
she tells you she's been fighting cancer. But what you didn't see in that clip is she currently has cancer tumors in her lungs, her spine, and her liver. She wanted everyone to know she was so much more than the bad things that happened to her. And she said she has a 2% chance of surviving. And that's not nothing. That is hope. Hope that won't be killed by cancer. Hope that won't stop her from doing what she loves. Hope that there is more to her life than her death. She said in the audition clip, you can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. You need to hear it again. You can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. And I heard that and I said, that'll preach. That is exactly what Paul is calling us to. We shouldn't have to be, have a terminal illness to say yes and wake up to what 22 discovered was regular old living and the joy of every day that compels us to move forward in our race to and with Christ Jesus. Amen.